It's so good to be with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we will begin this morning. I told my children that apparently I was visited by, I don't know, three strange people or something. But normally I'm Scrooge. But I am so joyful this year to uh, celebrate Christmas with, with you and with, with our family. And so very, man, just so good to be singing together with the faith family this morning. And these wonderful songs that tell of the, the Christ who came, who was born of a virgin, did the impossible. And so I know, as I said last week, I know that we, we focus on the birth of Christ um, but as we are walking through this book, 1 Corinthians, we come to the death and the resurrection of Christ, which is just as equally as important. They are connected and they are important to one another. And not only are they important to one another, they are important to us. Because this is what gives you and I our joy in this year. This is what gives us our joy every day. That Christ came, He died, and then He rose so I want to jump into this this morning. Uh, there's a lot to cover, but I want us to go ahead and let us turn 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to begin in verse 33 this morning. And I want us to go ahead and, and, and read here. Paul writes, he says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Become sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. But someone will say, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? You fool, that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is also to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of men, and another flesh of beasts, and another flesh of birds, and another of fish. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for, different, for, for star differs from the star in glory. And so also in the resurrection of the dead, it is sown a perishable body, it is raised an imperishable body, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. And so also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. And the first man is from earth, earthy, and the second man is from heaven, as is the earthy. So also are those who are earthy and as it is, as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word this morning. Last week we began looking at resurrection truths. We saw there in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that Paul began through 1 through verse 19 that he gave evidence for the, the resurrection of Christ. And so then we begin to, to notice that he began to teach on that resurrection because there were those in Corinth who were denying it. There were people in, in the church of, of Corinth who were denying their own bodily resurrection. And if you'll notice there, according to verse 35, they believed it was impossible. 
They were fine that Jesus had rose from the dead, but you and I rising from the dead is a whole other thing. I mean, science would speak against that, right? Uh, Logic would speak against that, right? That we who die could come back? Absolutely not. Now, if you were a believer, you may say, well, Brother Brian, that is crazy that any believer, that any church, faith family member would believe that resurrection is impossible. No sane Christian today would deny the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Well, think again. When I was in college, Louisiana College, my religious professor, one of them, denied the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. A great man that you have heard of, famous, who's done wonderful things in our, in our history and our country, and then Martin Luther King Jr. also denied the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. There are people who claim to be Christian who deny the resurrection of Christ. And it's not something new. It's not something that's just come about today. This goes all the way back to the very beginning. Even even Adam had to struggle with the issue of of life after death. That's the reason why he called Eve, called her Eve, because of life, because he, he placed his faith that what God was saying that they would live. This goes all the way back to the very beginning, the struggle to believe that there is life after death. And so we understand that there is a struggle even for us. Today we have scientists and politicians and doctors and professors and many more who lead our society and yet they deny life after death, which has tremendous impact, by the way, on how they govern our culture. Because what we believe, brothers and sisters, determines how we act. What you believe about the resurrection of Jesus, what you believe about the virgin birth of Jesus, what you believe about Scripture in general, how you view it, will determine how you will live and determine how you act. And because of this, worldview matters. If you do not have a biblical worldview of life and death, you will struggle as a Christian. And you had this in Corinth. They were struggling within the church. You will struggle with getting older. You will struggle with fear of death. You will struggle with the joy in difficult seasons, you will struggle to live a life pleasing to the Lord because you will live your life trying to preserve your life rather than to live a life to bring glory and honor to God. And so FPC, we see in these first couple of verses that Paul says that it is important to have a right biblical view of death and resurrection. I hope today that as, as we get to the end of this that you and I can reclaim this. This is needed today, especially in light of COVID in the last year and a half. We, are, we, we need to reclaim a biblical view of death. We need to. Because we are living in fear of that which is going to happen. And as God's children, brothers and sisters, we may be a little bit afraid. But as you will see in the scriptures, we must approach death as believers willing and rejoicing. Because we know that it is not the end for us. And so in this second part of this resurrection truth, I want to answer the question that Paul presents in verse 35. How are the dead raised and with what kind of body they come? Paul will give four things here in in this text. You're going to see an analogy, a connection, a contrast, and a prototype, a model. An analogy, a connection, a contrast, and a prototype. And so let us begin with the analogy that Paul gives. Look at verse 36. He says, you fool. 
That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies, and that which you sow, you do not sow the body, which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished, and each of the seeds of a body its own. So notice that Paul gives an analogy, an illustration that is found in nature. The Apostle Paul looks and points to, and he says, you say that you don't believe in resurrection, but you're foolish. Resurrection happens every day. Matter of fact, we're seeing it right now in the season that we're in where things are beginning to die and the trees, are, the leaves and the acorns and the seeds are all falling off, right? We're seeing death happen, but in the spring, we'll begin to see new life. We must only look to nature, Paul says. He says we must look to the seed that is sown in the ground. That if you remember in your science class, a seed is sown. And so that would be the, the burial and the death that Paul is talking about. And so there the seed is placed in the ground, and there it awaits to germinate. There the seed, if you remember this, it it's lays dormant. It's, it's, it's got something in it. The believer has something in them, but they go into the grave, and, it, and it's waiting for the right conditions in which it will then rise up. It's dormant. It, it's, it's inactive. And when the certain conditions, such as water, correct temperature, right soil, come about... It will then begin to sprout life, and it will begin to sprout resurrection. And for the sake of time this morning, I won't go there, but if you want to understand what this is, Paul is pointing to general revelation. Romans chapter 120 teaches us that God reveals himself in nature. And so Paul says general revelation itself is pointing to the possibility, not the impossibility, but the possibility of resurrection. And so we see this process, death bringing life all around us. Beloved, death must take place in order for new life to begin. And so just as the seed itself needs specific conditions, when we ourselves die, we need the right conditions. We are waiting for those conditions. Let me just go ahead and say this, that the very first condition is that you would know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That you would know Him as Lord and Savior. And so we who are Christians who die when we are placed into the grave in the same way that a plant will one day sprout up and notice that what comes up is not the seed and it's not the same plant, it's the same kind of plant, but it is a new plant. The Apostle Paul says that which will rise from the grave will be something new. It will be similar, but it will also be different. It will be better. What goes into the ground is the bare seed that comes out and it will be a beautiful plant. Now, what is Paul teaching here? What is Paul trying to tell us? And here is the thing. Death is necessary for resurrection. Here's what I really kind of came to at the end of my study this week. And I dealt with this a little bit yesterday. And it's really interesting because I I think we're all like this. And listen, death is supposed to be scary because it is the judgment, the consequences of sin. We know that. But because of Christ, we, God, he takes death and he, he basically uses death to usher us into his very presence. And so, and so therefore, he changes the outlook of which we are to have on death. But, but here's the thing. Many of us were, are totally okay that Jesus Christ, God the Son, God in flesh, would come and die, but not us. You love the fact that God died for your sins. But for many of us, we don't want to die. We're okay with him, but not us. But what Paul is teaching us here is, is that we must understand that death is necessary for you and life to receive the fulfillment of the promises. It, this goes back to Sunday school this morning. 
The very covenant that, that God gives to Abraham, that, that Abraham, through you, I'm going to bless the nations. It, we're not talking about Israel here, brothers and sisters. We're talking about the people of God. We're talking about the church. And he's telling them, I'm going to bless you. How? I'm going to bless you in such a way that I'm going to send my son who's going to die for your sins, who's going to rise from the grave. And Abraham, here's the great blessing for you and the great blessing for the world, that those who are in me will rise from the grave. Yeah, you you didn't know your Sunday school was going to connect, did it? It was very much a part of the great covenant that God makes with Abraham. Death is necessary for your resurrection, and so therefore, my question to you, are you prepared for death? Are you preparing for death? As I said, there's got to be certain conditions for for this joy to take place. And number one, you must know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Brothers and sisters, hear me this morning. We will all be raised. Even Even the unbeliever will be raised. But he will be raised to death, a second death. He will be raised to die again, but, but, but an eternal death of, of hell, fire, separated from the Lord. But those who are in Christ, like that plant, like that seed that lays dormant, there is something in us that when, the, when Christ, when God says, Son, it is time, go and get them, the dead will rise and burst forth, and we will be called to our Lord in Jesus. And so hear me this morning. You will not rise to grave to life and, and joy and peace unless you repent of your sins and come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I'll speak on this a little more in a moment. But secondly, to the believer this morning, hear me on this, you must prepare for your death through the spiritual, through spiritual satisfaction now. I'm afraid that many of us, we approach death in the same way, or we will approach death the same way that, that Lot's wife left Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember the story. God removes Lot and them. He says, I've got a place for you that you're going to live He says, go and don't look back. But Lot's wife looks back. And so many of us are going to be like that in the fact that death is at our door. Heaven is waiting for us. And we're going, but but Sodom, I want to stay here. I want this world. And the reason is, is because this world satisfies you. Spiritual things, brother, according to... Thomas Watson, spiritual things satisfy. The more of heaven that, that we know, he says, he says, spiritual things satisfy. The more of heaven is in us, the less that this earth will content us. In other words, if death is necessary, then we must prepare for death by satisfying our souls with heaven now. And so there's a reason why we approach death a lot like Sodom's wife, looking to the earth and not wanting to leave and wanting to stay here because we love this sinful, wretched, wicked world. Richard Baxter said, blew my mind this week as I, as I was reading, he said, he, said he, he began to talk about how it was better to depart and be with Christ. And he says, he says, one of the things we say, our family and friends, he says, but do you not know that in heaven, your family and friends will not be sinful? Even the ones that we love the most, brothers and sisters, are sinful. But those in heaven, we will love more because their sins have been dealt with. 
Brothers and sisters, if you are going to prepare yourself for death, because it is necessary and you must prepare yourself, hear me this morning, you must begin to satisfy your soul on earth today with the things of heaven. You must worship the Lord. You must study to know Him. You must seek Him in prayer. And I would beg of you, Christian, this morning, that if you love this old world more than you love the the promise that God has made and given to you of the new life and the life with Him, I would call on you this morning and say that you might want to repent because God has got something really good for you and waiting for you and you're being ungrateful and not wanting it. Again, I'm not saying don't fear death. I'm not saying death is not a struggle. But there, if our faith is going to extend past, it's got to extend past this world. And we must recognize that we cannot love this world more than we love God and, and His blessings that He has waiting for us. So we must grow to love Him more than even the good things of this world. In Alabama, Montgomery, Alabama, there is a, a grave, a tombstone, and it reads like this. I thought this was amazing. I pray that maybe the, the motivation here would be in all of us. He said, it says, under the clover and under the trees, here lies the body of Jonathan Pease. Pease ain't here, only the pod. Pease shelled out, and he went home to God. Oh, brothers and sisters, this is a shell that will disintegrate, that is necessary that it disintegrate and dissolve and die, that we may go home where we belong to God. But secondly, I want you to notice the connection. Look at verse 39. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of men and another flesh of beasts. And another flesh of birds, and another flesh of fish. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly one and the glory of the earth, earthly is another. And so there is one glory for the sun, another glory for the moon, another glory of the stars, for the star differs from the star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Now Paul connects uh, the resurrected body back to Genesis 1, to the creation of the world. But notice what the Apostle Paul does. He reverses the order. Where, you know, in Genesis we begin with, you know, the creation of, of things. And you get the stuff in the, in, in the universe, and the heavens, and then it goes down. And then you get the you know, birds and the fish, and you get, the, you get, you know, the animals. And then you get to Adam and Eve, the crowning glory. He reverses the order backwards. And so we go from man all the way back to the sun and moon. Why does he do this? Why is he giving us this? He's wanting to show us that our resurrected body is connected to the power of God to bring forth creation. That, they, that, that there are all these other things in this world that God himself created by his power and by his word. And they are glorious. And that word glory there, if you notice, is, is mentioned over and over. It means to describe the object's beauty and its impressiveness. And so in Genesis, at the end of each day, we read what words? It is what? Uh, well, You've got to wake up on me this morning. It is what? Good. Not, not finished. It is good. After every day, it is good. And we know it's good, not because the Bible just says so, but because you wake up and you see the rising sun. Because you go hunting and you see the animals and you see as you drive through this, this you know, through our, through our countryside, you, you see the beauty of nature. You see a newborn baby when we get to, to, to view inside the womb and, and then when the child comes out and we hold it, we go, this is glorious. And then we go, 
But even more glorious than that is the one who created it. And so Paul points to the creation order so that he may connect to you and I that the possibility of resurrection is there. Why? Because the one who created all things will do the same thing with resurrection. He, the one thing that connects all of this together is God with his inexhaustible power. He created the multitudes of bodies. He says in verse 38, but God gives it a body just as he wished. God creates and designs and empowers the universe. And so, brothers and sisters, he will do the same thing when we are resurrected with a new body. As one writer said, it is outrageous to suppose that God cannot fit a body to spirit. We must not place any limit to God's power with regard either to the difference between our present and our future body. If God has found a fit body for a fish, for a fowl, for a cattle, and even for mortal man, why can God not find a fit body for an immortal man? To, to question our death and our resurrection, beloved, is a struggle of faith. Paul is saying what God has done in in creation is no different than what God will do in resurrection. And which, by the way, what happens after resurrection but this recreating of the heavens and the earth? Brothers and sisters, we must be very careful that we do not forget the word of God. We must be very careful that we do not forget the promises of God and the teachings of God that we do not forget that God will raise the dead and allow death to shake our faith in God. The struggle to believe in the resurrection is a struggle of faith. Again, Richard Baxter warns that those who believe in Christ will struggle with doubt concerning death and resurrection. But at times, the doubt of death and resurrection will outweigh their faith in Christ. In other words, my faith that God can save me from my sins is strong. I got that. But I'm struggling with the fact that I'm going to die and that He's going to resurrect me. Death and life are uncertain, we would say. And maybe it's not your death. And maybe it's not your resurrection you're struggling with this morning. Maybe it's the death of a loved one, a spouse, a child, a mom, a dad. We struggle with that. Again, it is a struggle. I don't, I don't deny that. It is a struggle. Those that we lose, that we love, we want them here. But if God's word is real, if God's word is true and death is necessary and death will bring forth a new glorified body, would we not want that for them and even for ourselves? In just a moment, we're going to look at that body and you're going to be like, oh yeah, I want that one. That's the one I want. Get that for Christmas. The struggle that we deal with, it is a struggle in faith. Let the lesson that Paul is teaching us this morning encourage and strengthen your faith today. How? By being reminded that the God 
who is going to resurrect you is the God that created you. How do I know that he's going to do this? Because I'm here. Because you're, pinch yourself. Wake up and pinch yourself. We're here. He created all of this. And so, and so when I remind myself of God's power to create, it encourages and strengthens me as I approach the day of my death. When I am reminded of God's control that placed the sun exactly where he wanted it and the stars exactly where he wanted it, where, where, God, where God designed mankind and he designed the child in the womb exactly the way he wanted it. When I look at all those things and I say, you are a sovereign God, I am reminded that he is sovereign not only over creation and life, but he is sovereign over death. I will not die one second or one later than I am supposed to. And I will not rise from the grave one second too soon or one second too late when I'm supposed to. God is sovereign over all things. And so if I trust Him to create the sun and the moon and the stars, I must trust Him that when the day of my death or the day of someone else's death comes, He is good and He is sovereign. And I must trust that I, if I'm a believer and they are a believer, I will see them again. Remind yourself of God's wisdom that designed everything. And remind yourself that the God who did all of this, brothers and sisters, will resurrect us from the grave. But thirdly, notice the description. Look at at, at verse 42. And so he says, so also is the resurrection of the dead, that it is sown a perishable body, it is raised imperishable body, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power, it is sown a natural body, and it is raised in a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Now this is, this is wonderful. When you read this, we, we go, <laughs> I want that. Because, because notice how he describes the new body. He says, okay, so the body you're in now, presently, continually in now, he says it is perishable. Have you, have you ever um, opened up a milk carton and just, you know, I, I guess all of you are probably far more blessed than I am and never drank from a milk carton, I guess. You know, y'all are not sinners like I am, I guess. But you ever drank milk and it's sour? What do you do? It, uh, yeah, you spit it out, you throw it away. That word perishable is really, it's what, that's what it's referring to. The, the milk has decomposed and soured. Rotten meat has, has soured. It's decomposed. And some of you are going, that's me. My body's decomposing. I got some aches and some pains in, in places I ain't ever had before, right? Amen. Say amen. If, if you can't say amen, say ouch. ouch. Literally, for some of us, we're going ouch. Ecclesiastes, the back is stooping. The grasshopper is dragging himself across. That, that's what he's talking about. You are dying. You are perishing. You are wearing out. You're decomposing. And you feel it as you get older and older or as sicknesses and more things begin to happen, brothers and sisters. But look at what he gives us. You're presently in this, but after death and resurrection, you will presently and be continually in a body that is free from decay. The resurrection will, be forth, will bring forth an existence where you will forever be free. 
from dying. But secondly, it sows in dishonor and raised in glory. Dishonor means that you disgrace and bring disapproval. You are created to bring glory and honor to God, but you don't because you're a sinner. Your father, Adam, was a sinner, and you, like him, are a sinner. And so you bring dishonor and, and disgrace to God. But notice you will be raised in glory. You will be resurrected and your body will no longer dishonor or disgrace God. You will no longer sin or have the desire to sin. We will once and for all be objects of glory because I will never deal with sin again. What does Trey say? Amen, lights? You see, that's the thing. My body, I'll have that new body. Listen, I want a new body. But brothers and sisters, I am tired of sinning. I want to be done with my sins. I am tired of bringing dishonor and disglory to God because I can't behave correctly. And he promises me there's a day coming. Well, Brian, not only will you behave, you will have no desire to never not behave. He says it's sown in weakness. means to continually lack strength to overcome, evident by the fact that I'm going to die. You cannot escape death. I don't care what Disney tells you. Disney's putting out a new series called Limitless, where it's going to test the limitless powers of humanity to extend our life. You will die because you are weak. You think you're strong, but you're not. You cannot conquer death. But the new body you're given in resurrection will have inherent strength, and you will never struggle in weakness again, and you will never die. You will have a natural you have a natural body now. And we want to think of this kind of like a ghost that we're not that we're talking about, not flesh and blood, and, you know, and something that a form and material, but that's not what he's talking about. The spiritual body, as though the spiritual body is like a ghost. That's not what he's saying. Jesus himself ate fish and drank, and, and they touched the scars. They saw the flesh. So that's not what he means here. Like a spirit floating in the clouds. It's not it. What he means is, is that the natural body is suited for the present world. But the, resur- the resurrection body will be a, suited for the world to come. A spiritual suited for the to, to be like Jesus, as Jesus was. And so in other words, the, the new body will no longer be under the sway of the natural desires and fleshly desires or impulses that drive the natural body. In other words, these spiritual bodies will be dominated by a regenerated spirit and we will never again have the desire or the capacity to sin. Amen and amen. How should I live in light of this, brothers and sisters, this promise that is given to me? I would encourage you this morning to take comfort that the next life is far better than this one. Not only is the next life far better than this one, the body that we will be given will be far better than this one. 
some of us struggle with death and we struggle with as we struggle with getting older and we struggle with the frailties of man we struggle with the the hair when it turns gray and when it falls out we, we we struggle that we can't run as fast as anymore we can't run as long as we can't do the things that we used to do we struggle with with this body that we have been given but for some reason we we just want to hold on to it and here we we find because of the struggles, we cannot have comfort in a time of sickness and in death. But God makes a wonderful promise here that he shows us that we will have a better life to come. This is why Paul writes in Philippians 1, 21, 23, he says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But there in verse 23, he says something else. He says, To depart and be with Christ, which is far better Paul, it's not that one is just better than, one is better than, it's not that one is joyful and one is not. He says, to live is Christ. He says, I have a mission to do. It's almost like Paul said, if you gave me five more minutes to live, you said, bro, you got five more minutes. He's like, I want to go, but I got work to do. I got to glorify God on this earth. I got to grow his church, but, but I want to go home. Brothers and sisters, we overcome the fear of death. We make it through sickness. We have joy in sickness. We make it through COVID. We make it through all of these things. Because we take comfort in believing and in trusting in the promise of God. The comfort of knowing the life that is to come is actually far greater than this life. Does your body ache with old age? Take comfort. It will ache no more. It will ache no more when you receive your new body. When you are in the presence of God, it will never hurt again. You're tired of being sick? You struggle with cancer? You struggle with, you struggle with allergies? We struggle with COVID? Take comfort. There will be no COVID in the place that we're going. And if there even was, your body, your body would overcome it. In about a second. Your sins getting the best of you this morning? Rejoice. You will be resurrected, but your sins will not. The nations around us rage in turmoil. We're fearful for what they will do. Fear not. Because the age to come the nations will no longer rage because they will be subjected to the king of kings. Well, brothers and sisters, the life that is to come is far better than this one. It is good to live. It is good to live as Christ lived and do. To have joy today. But the life that is to come is even far greater. And so, beloved, if this world has if it has you tied up in knots this morning, if you go to bed and you're just stressed out because you don't know what tomorrow's going to come, you don't know what's going to happen in this old world, take comfort this morning. The life that is to come, that is your best life. Not this one. And then finally, the prototype, the model. Look at what he says in verse 45. 
He says, so also it is written that the first first man, Adam, became a living soul, and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from, from the earth, earthy, and the second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, so also those who are earthy, and as the heavenly, so also those who are heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. I use the word prototype. John MacArthur used this in his commentary, and I, I think it really explains that a prototype is the original model by which everything after it is, is patterned. The prototype, you know, in a toy factory is the original one that everything's modeled. And after that, as, it, as it, all the materials go through, they come out just like the original. The first Adam was our first prototype. He was made from the dust of the earth. He was earthy. And so Christ comes from heaven. He was born of a virgin. He is not like our first father, earthy. He is from heaven And so this is referencing that God, when it talks about Adam who became a living soul, it is a reference that Adam who was nothing, who was dormant, laying there, made from dirt, God breathed his soul into the first man and and Adam became a living soul who in turn gave natural life to everyone who would come. Adam and Eve would have children and that would be passed on to their children, then to their children, all the way down today. It is through Adam that we receive our natural bodies but our natural bodies are made of dust, and they will return to the, to, to the earth. But the last Adam, Jesus, the true and better Adam, did we not sing that this morning? We receive spiritual bodies. This is why the, the, the last Adam is the true and better Adam, because Adam gave natural life to all mankind that returns to the, to the earth. But Jesus Christ brings supernatural life that returns where? From where he came from. So if I am in Christ, and he is my prototype, and I am going to be patterned after him, therefore I will go where he goes, which is to heaven. Adam brings natural life, Jesus brings supernatural. And so those who believe in Jesus will bear his image, not the first Adam. They are destined to rise from the grave. In John 5, 21, we read, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives, uh, gives life to whom he wishes. David Guzik says this, The first Adam gave us one kind of body. Jesus, the last Adam, gives us another kind. And so therefore, when we die, we will exchange the old for the new. We will come and we will be giving a body, a glorified body, just like our Savior, Jesus Christ. What is Paul saying here? Brothers and sisters, he's telling you that you need supernatural life. Our first father sinned. And because he sinned, the, the curse and the judgment has been placed upon us, and therefore we are sinners, and therefore we deserve and we, we ourselves sin, and we are destined to die under the curse that is on all of us, that is on our father Adam. But hear me this morning. If you are an unbeliever this morning and you have not believed upon Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have not repented of your sins, you have not placed your faith in Christ, you will die and you will not be resurrected to life because you will not be patterned after Christ. But to those who are Christians, who believe, 
They have been given supernatural life, and we will return to, with, our, with our Father, our Savior. And so I would say to you this morning, if you're an unbeliever, you are in need of a life-giving spirit this morning. Paul is saying that you have no hope of resurrection to an eternal life with the Lord. You are in need of life-giving spirit. You are in need of hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ died on behalf of your sins. You who are sinful and you deserve every wicked, every judgment thing that comes upon you, you deserve all that, all, for all the crimes you've committed, you deserve hell for eternity. But Christ died for you on behalf of your sins and rose from the grave that if you believe in him, brothers and sisters, repent of your sins and believe upon Christ, you will be saved. You will change the old for the new. When Christ went to the cross, he, made, he said these words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. If you're an unbeliever this morning, that, that phrase means that you place your full trust. Jesus said, the Father, I trust you above all things. It is finished, and he gives himself over there in death to the Father. If you were an unbeliever this morning, I would plead with you that you would say that you would commit yourself to Christ. That you would believe upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. You would believe the words that he has said. And commit and trust your life to him today. And to the Christian who has already done this, hear me on this, you are patterned after Christ. And so therefore you have committed in salvation, you have committed your spirit into the hands of the Father. And you said, Father, save me from my sins. And now you are living as Christ. To live is Christ. You have committed your life and said, Lord, I'm trusting in you and how I live this world. I want to pattern myself after you, Father, after you, Jesus. But one day you will die. And as that day draws nearer, we are one day closer than we was, were yesterday. I would encourage you to likewise in faith and trust in Jesus Christ, follow his example in salvation, follow, fo follow his trust in, in life, but even in death. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Father, I am trusting, that phrase is, I am trusting your hands and your hands alone. And I'm, I'm not trusting anyone else. And so, not only do I want to live well, Father, I want to die well. And so I'm trusting you with this. And may the words of Martin Luther encourage you this morning. You must not view or ponder death with fear. For Christ is nothing other than sheer life, as his saints are likewise. The more profoundly you impress that image upon your heart and gaze upon it, the more the image of death will pale and vanish of itself without struggle or battle. And thus your heart will be at peace. And you will be able to die calmly in Christ and with Christ. As we read in Revelations 14, 13. Blessed are they who die in the Lord Christ. O FBC, do not fear. Christ lives. And if you are in him, you are destined to live as well. Let us pray.